Amen, amen, amen. Isn't God so good? Amen. While you're standing with me, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll begin reading in verse 20. I want to say again how good it is to have all of our grandparents in service with us today. Amen. This is your day. Happy Grandparents Day. And this service is for you. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 20, the scripture says this. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. I want to speak for a few moments from this subject, the final mission. The final mission. Why don't you pray with me, Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the presence of God that I feel so rich in this house. And I'm asking, Lord, as we get ready to go into the Word of God, Lord, that you let that Word impact our hearts and touch us and change us. Help each and every one of us, not just the grandparents among us, but help each and every one of us, Lord, connect with the message of your Word today in such a way, God, that it forever changes us. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. The writer of Hebrews devotes one verse each to the patriarchs Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Each of those men is mentioned in the twilight years of their lives. And in this chapter that is widely regarded as faith's hall of fame, the great act of faith that earned each of these men a place in this chapter was their willingness to look ahead to the future in the waning years of their lives. I want you to understand the thing that put them in the hall of faith was not something they did as a young man. It was not something they did in the middle years of their lives, but it was something they did in the twilight years, in the waning years of their life. Uh, they looked ahead to the future and they made up their mind uh, to transfer their faith in the promise of God to a generation that was coming along behind them. None of those men ever fully possessed the promise of God. All of them lived their lives in pursuit of a promise that was never fulfilled in their lifetime. Now they walked in the blessings of God. They experienced the provision of God. They were men of courage and determination and they lived by faith. Uh, but as they came to that place in their life where they could see the end of their race drawing near every one of them faced the realization that the thing that they had been striving for, the thing that they had been reaching for, the thing that they had hoped to gain would never be realized in this life. The ultimate goal, the promise of the possession, or the possession of the promise that was given to Abraham 
was perpetually beyond their reach. They had carried that promise for all of these years. And now another generation was coming alongside them and preparing to take up the race and preparing to press on to places that they had never been. Uh, And in that critical moment uh, when the promise needed to be relayed uh, from one generation to the next, uh, these stalwart warriors of the faith uh, made certain that the vision would not die with their generation. They made certain that they would not be the last generation of promise. Uh, They made certain uh, that they would pass on the promise uh, to those who were coming along behind them. Isaac, when he recognized, the Bible said that his vision was fading. His strength was waning. He made sure that before his life was over, he transferred the promise of Abraham down to his sons, Jacob and Esau. He had a faith that said, the promise may not have come to pass in my lifetime, but I refuse to let it die with me. I may not have seen it yet. It may not have come to pass yet, but I refuse to carry it to my grave without transmitting it to another generation. Likewise, Jacob As he grew old in a foreign land, the promised land must have seemed to be a million miles away. As he began to realize that he would never see the promise of Abraham come to pass in his lifetime. He became obsessed with one thing. You read through the end of his life and in the book of Genesis. And what he's concerned with is making sure that he passes the promise down to the next generation. He wanted to make sure that the generation coming along behind him never forgot what God had spoken to Abraham. There will be a mighty nation. There will be a land that flows with milk and honey. Egypt is not their final destination. That's where they live at the time uh, that he's coming into the end of his life, uh, but he wants them to understand, uh, amen, that this is not where you're going to stay. The Bible said that when he blessed Joseph's sons, he reminded their daddy that God would be with them in the land of Egypt, but that in due season they would return to the land of promise. And Joseph lived his life with that promise in view. He lived his life with the knowledge that he carried the promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But still, in all of his years, even as he lived in the multiplied blessings of God, that promise never came to pass. And once again, in the latter years of his life, that old patriarch recognized how important it was to make sure that the expectation of the promise was passed on to another generation. With that in mind, he solicited a promise from all of Israel that was to be passed down to every generation of the Israelites until they left Egypt. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Uh, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. 
Joseph wanted to make sure the promise would never be forgotten. So he made a point of sending a message with his bones. I want you to keep my bones. He could have been buried in some sarcophagus inside of some pyramid somewhere. He was a leader of Egypt. He was afforded a royal burial. Uh, but he said, bury me in a casket. Uh, put me somewhere where my body can be moved. Uh, you can't take a pyramid uh, and carry it back to Canaan. Uh, and I don't want to be ensconced uh, in some beautiful edifice of stone. Uh, put me in a box uh, because there's coming a day when this church is moving on uh, and I'm going with it. Amen. He wanted to make sure he said, keep these bones close. Keep them within reach. I want you to walk by them from time to time. And I want you to see them on a regular basis. And when you do, I want you to remember this land called Egypt. It's not your home. This land called Egypt. This isn't your final destination. The trial and the test that you're going to go through down here. It's just temporary. One of these days, God's going to visit you. These bones will not stay in Egypt forever. Amen. There's a day coming when we're going to move on to better things and we're going to leave behind this place. And so he said, when God visits you in due season, when he brings you up out of the land of Egypt to give to you the land that he promised to your father Abraham, make sure you take these bones with you so that I may be buried beside my fathers in the land of promise. It was a charge that would be maintained for 400 years. A, a charge that would be passed down through 10 different generations of Israelites. And on that fateful night when the Passover angel came through the land of Egypt and there was weeping and mourning in Egyptian households and the great army army of God uh, marched out of the land of bondage, uh, marched out of Egypt. They did it uh, with Joseph's sepulcher on their shoulders. The Bible said they took the bones 400 years later and buried them at Shechem where he told them to bury them. Grandparents, I come to you today and I want to draw your attention to the fact that these elders, they died in the faith. They never received the promise that they were striving for, but they did everything that they could before they passed to make sure that they were not the last generation to believe the promise. They wanted to make sure they weren't the last generation of truth. Uh, they wanted to make sure they weren't the last generation to strive for the things of God. All of these elders died uh, with their faces towards the future uh, when they could have looked back when they could have taken stock of their accomplishments and applauded themselves uh, for a job well done, when they could have rested uh, in their latter years uh, and celebrated a life well lived, uh, each of them instead uh, turned their eyes to the future and made themselves responsible for the transfer of their faith uh, from one generation to another. Amen. Grandparents, you're at an age in your life when society tells you that you should sit back and take it easy. When by every measure possible, you have paid your dues, you have done your part, you have run your race, and you have run it well. These are your golden years. 
These are the years when you can finally rest from the toil and labor that has marked your life. But I'm here to tell you, you have one final mission. You have one final calling that has not yet been accomplished. You have one final eternal calling from God that you have not yet seemed to come to pass and that you cannot afford to neglect. I'm here to tell you that there is a generation in this church that is coming alongside you. And honey, they are the future of the church. Amen. Everything this church is going to be, whenever you're, you're gone from the scene, uh, they are it. Uh, amen. They are the future generation that is going to carry this church uh, into the promises that you have held dear all of these years. And I'm here to tell you on a Sunday morning, they need you. Just like each successive generation needed the patriarchs, the faith to transmit the promise to them. This generation needs you. They need your love. They need your support. They need your prayers. They need your encouragement. They need you to share your passion. They need to hear your testimonies. They need you to tell them that God's always been there, that he's never abandoned you, that he's never forsaken you, that he has provided for you, that when you messed up, he picked you up and turned you around. Whenever you made mistakes, his grace was good enough to carry you that when you weren't perfect uh, he was there to lift you up they need to know uh, that their elders have walked a path uh, that they're about to walk down themselves listen your generation they didn't have you didn't have it all figured out when you were their age you didn't have it all worked out what they need from you is not to search out their flaws or bring attention to their faults. They need you to encourage them. They need you to help them grow. It's, it's a common thing for one generation to look back and say, oh, those younger people, they ain't got it figured out yet. What's this world coming to? What's the church coming to? My goodness, let me preach to you for a few minutes. When you were their age, you didn't have it figured out either. When you were their age, you were struggling too. When you were still young in your faith way back then, I, I want you to remember how some older saint of God came alongside of you uh, and helped sustain you. I want you to remember how some older saint of God uh, stepped up beside you uh, and helped you grow in your faith. Uh, I want you to remember uh, how some elder saint of God stood in, the, in a church service somewhere and testified, God has been uh, so good to me. Uh, amen in all of my years uh, in all of the hardship uh, in all of the things I've been through uh, God has been so good to me let me tell you what this younger generation is looking for they're looking up to you and they're looking for a testimony they're looking for a mentor they're looking for someone who will bind with them in prayer someone who will push them forward uh, they're looking for a patriarch uh, that will pass on their faith uh, from one generation to the next uh, that is your final mission that is your final calling from the throne of God uh, you didn't come this far honey uh, just to sit on your laurels uh, and applaud yourself for what you've accomplished. You came here so you could transmit your faith to another generation. Amen. You see, the remarkable thing about the patriarchs is that they each came to the end of their days with a firm hope 
that the best was still yet to come. They each faded from the scene with the fervent belief that the generation coming along behind them would exceed them in every possible way. They each harbored hope that the promises that had not yet been fulfilled that were still before them, that those promises would be passed down to the generation that would follow them and that they would achieve what the older generation had never achieved. Listen to me for a minute. You may not leave much behind. You, you, you may not have much in the way of material goods, and those that are coming along behind you may not become wealthy off of your years of labor. You may not have riches. You may not have land. You may not have earthly treasures uh, that you can bestow on another generation. But let me tell you what you do have because it's more valuable than anything this world has to offer. You, you have a legacy of faithfulness. You have a legacy of service unto God. You have a legacy of testimonies uh, of the provision of God. You have a heritage uh, of hope. And that heritage is far more valuable than riches and gold and earthly goods. Listen to me, grandparents. The generation coming along behind you, they need you. I know that sometimes it's easy to feel disconnected from one generation to the next. But I'm here to tell you the generation that's falling behind you in this truth, they need you. They need more than a financial endowment. They need more than land and buildings. They need more than just the, the earthly things that you can give them. They need you to transmit your hope to them. They need you to transmit your faith to them. They need you to implant the promise of God within them. They need you to remind them that God is always faithful, that God always keeps his promise, that he will do what he said he would do. They need you to know, or they need you to tell them that the dream and the promises of one generation can be passed down to the next generation. They need to know that they can take up the mantle that you're leaving behind and that they'll see greater things than you've ever seen, that they'll walk in greater blessing than you've ever walked in. They need to know that the promises that God made to Bishop Anderson all those years ago did not perish when he finally finished his race, but that they live on alive and well in the generation that is coming along behind him. They need the heritage of hope that you possess. They need a promise that you can transmit to them. They need a faith-filled vision of the future that has to come from somebody who has already walked that path. We're blessed to have some young people. There, there are churches in our area that don't have any young people. We're blessed to have a great group of young people that are coming along getting a hold of this thing. I'm, I'm excited that we're able to have Sunday night youth service and, and let them preach and teach and play the instruments. And, and they're trying to take more control of that. And they're trying to, not, not that they want control, but they want, they want a, every aspect of that service. They want to be able to operate in. That's ministry. That's Because it's coming a day when Brother Ryan's, believe it or not, it's going to be too old and feeble. Them hands, that carpal tunnel stuff is going to get in there, and he ain't going to be able to play that keyboard the way he does now. And somebody's got to be able to step up and, and take that role. And somebody's got to be able to fill in. And, and, and I'm here to tell you right now, these kids uh, are doing their best uh, to live for God. 
I can tell you as pastor, I've watched them grow in the church. I've watched them come from nothing. I've watched some of them come out of the world. I've watched others grow up in the church. And I can tell you they have a heart for the things of God. They have a passion for the things of God. They have a heart for the promise of God. They're doing their best to live for God. Anybody can be a critic. Anybody can point out faults and flaws. We've all been young before, and surely we all remember that we were not perfect either. There'll be some corrections along the way, I promise you. God will send preachers and teachers. The Bible said the Lord chastens those whom he loves. He'll shape this generation. By the time they get to where you are, they'll have that same depth and richness of faith that you have. They will have fought the battles. They will have walked through the valleys. They will have stood on the mountaintops. And they'll be looking back at a generation behind them and being tempted to say, that generation of young bucks, they just don't know what they're doing. I'm here to tell you what this generation needs from you is the same thing that generation is going to need from them. They need elder saints of God who will love them who will care about them, and who will pour their passion for the things of God into them. What we need more than anything else is we need faithful, elder saints of God. This young generation doesn't need a stern gaze down a long nose that's constantly measuring their shortcomings. What they need is a loving hand that would come alongside of the arm that would wrap around them, a voice that would whisper in their ear, I'm praying for you. I believe God's got better things for you. I believe God's got a better place to take. I believe you're going to do more than I've ever done before. I believe you're going to achieve more than we've ever achieved before. I believe the church is in good hands if it's in your hands. Amen. It's the same today as it was back then, when the younger generation becomes disconnected from the elder generation because of strife and angst between the two. It's the younger generation that loses because they are robbed of their most valuable asset. The church thrives on that critical transmission of faith and promise from one generation to the next. It was so important that it gets ensconced there in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. I've come to tell somebody in this place today, grandparents, the burden is on you. It's your job. It's your final mission. It is your calling to make sure that happens. You go read your Bible. I don't read anywhere in Scripture where the children came to the fathers and said, Pass your blessing along to me. I don't find anywhere in the Word where the younger generation came to the elder generation and begged them, Invest your promise in me. I do read where Jacob supplanted his brother Esau in the pursuit of the promise. But that whole scene was set in motion because daddy had enough sense to recognize my eyes are growing dim, my strength is growing weak, and I need to pass on this thing that I have. What I'm trying to tell you is that the burden of transmitting the blessing from your generation to the next 
rests on your shoulders. The promise that God has given you, he hasn't just trusted you with it so you could have it. He's trusted you with it so you could pass it on to another generation. This is your final mission. This is your ultimate calling. And if I could be so bold, this is the most important thing you will accomplish in your life. This is greater than any calling you've ever had. This is greater than any mission you've ever been set on. This is the thing that God intends for the transmission of faith and hope and promise in the church. Long after Joseph had passed from the scene, his bones remained a constant reminder that God was not finished with Israel yet. Centuries passed. Generations came and went. But Joseph's faith lived on in every successive generation because of that sepulcher of dry bones that continued to declare there's a promise that has yet to be fulfilled. There's a promised land that one of these days we're going to return to. Those dry, dusty bones. I want you to understand that Joseph left behind a legacy that spoke long after he was gone. He left behind a voice that spoke promise and hope and faith to a generation that was coming behind him and long after he was gone those voice those bones had a voice and it was a voice of hope it was a voice of encouragement it was a voice that declared there's a promise that's coming there's a better day ahead and for 400 years those bones declared that someday they were going to leave Egypt even when a new king arose to the throne who remembered not Joseph and who began to put great hardship and and enslave the people of Israel and begin to make them servants to Egypt. Even under the oppressive reign of Egypt, those bones served to remind them, this may be where I am, but this isn't where I'm going. This may be where I find myself, but this isn't the end of my story. This may be the chapter that I'm living in right now, but there's an elder who went before me, who left behind a, a promise. Amen. There is a promise that I'm clinging to. And one of these days, I'm leaving in this world behind there's a land that flows with milk and honey there are fields that I didn't plant there are homes and cities that I didn't build and every time they looked at those old bones they were reminded there's a promise that has not yet come to pass I'm living for something that was transmitted to me by another generation our text said it this way Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 22 by faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, the writer of Hebrews says, Joseph shared the promise. By faith, Joseph infused his bones with hope. Faith made demands on the present to make way for the future. Faith said, promise me that you'll take my bones with you when you go. Faith said, I may die in Egypt, but I'm not staying here. I'm leaving this place behind one of these days, and I've got to charge somebody to make sure they take me with them. In the dark days that followed as Pharaoh raged over the Israelites, there was a constant promise in those old bones. 
rage all you want to, Pharaoh. Try to destroy the people of God if you will, but it'll do you no good because there's a coffin full of bones that says you're going to fail. Amen. There's an old pit of dry bones that says you're not going to succeed. Though the day may be dark and though the labor may be long and tedious, there's a constant reminder in Goshen. There's a box of bones that declares that a day of deliverance is coming. They stood at the edge of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army caught up with the escaping Israelites. The fearful cried out, but then there was a box of bones that began to say, don't worry, God's going to bring you out. God's going to deliver you. Enemies would rise against them. There would be troubles and trials along the way, but there was a box of bones that said this too is going to pass. An elder invested a promise in the church. Listen to me, grandparents. This generation needs your voice. They need you to instill in them the hope that has carried you this far. You've walked this walk. You've come through this journey. You've been through valleys and mountains. You've been through struggles and, and you've overcome enemies and, and, and you've been through hardships and pain and, and you have seen God deliver over and over and over again. But there is a generation coming behind you that has not seen the things you've seen. And they need your voice of encouragement. They need your voice of blessing. They need you to speak hope into their lives. They need a monument of of the voice of a faithful saint of old reminding them, God's never failed me yet. His promises are always yea and amen. He's never let me down. He's never left me alone. He's always been with me everywhere I've walked and everything I've been through. God has been so good. To me. They need a voice in their hearts that lives on beyond the altar, elder, beyond the one that transmitted it. They need a promise that lives on beyond the generation that has faded away that will remind them if I trust him, he's going to keep me. They need your testimony and they need to hear it over and over again. When it seemed impossible, God opened the doors. When it seemed improbable, God made a way. When it looked like there was no way, God stepped in and he did what we could not do for ourselves. He provided finances when there was no money. He provided healing when there was no hope. He gave me peace when my world came crashing in. They need to hear you tell them what God has done for you over and over and over again because the sustaining power of faith if I learn anything from those three verses in Hebrews I learned that the sustaining power of faith can be transmitted from one generation to the next your kids and your grandkids need that transmission of faith There are some, they're not your kids, and they're not your grandkids, but they're looking to you for that transmission of faith. This is your final mission. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. I read that passage because the Bible calls hope an anchor. When we think of an anchor, we think of something that holds us down. Something that keeps us where we are. But hope is a different kind of anchor than that. And to understand the kind of anchor that it is, you have to go all the way back to the seafaring terminology of that day and that age. And there was a, a thing called kerning. And kerning is a seafaring term that describes a method of freeing a grounded ship. When a ship run aground, in days before you had you know, 600 horsepower marine engines, to, to just power you up and get you off of it. When a ship run aground and lacked the power to pull itself free, the master of the vessel would lower a dinghy into the water and he would take the big heavy anchor that they used to anchor the ship and he would let it down in the water with a party of men and they would row that anchor as far out in the ocean as the chain would allow. And then they would drop the anchor and let it fall into the depths. And once the anchor settled on the bottom, and once the anchor found a hold on the bottom of the sea, then they would begin to winch the boat to the anchor by pulling the chain or drawing the chain back in. It's the way they got it off of high center. That's the kind of anchor that hope is. It's not an anchor behind us, holding us back. It is an anchor before us, pulling us forward. It's an anchor. Hope is always forward-facing. Hope is always reaching for that which we have not yet obtained. And I'm here to tell this older generation that sits before me, amen, there's a generation coming behind you that needs you to put an anchor of hope in their soul, something that draws them forward. Grandparents, Every generation is pulled into the future by the transmission of faith and promise from the previous generation. Every generation of the church stands on the history of what God has done for those who went before them and is pulled forward into the future by the anchor of hope that was handed to them from one generation to another. Those old feeble hands took an anchor They said I haven't yet obtained I haven't yet seen you know one of these days he's going to split the eastern sky one of these days we're going to leave this whole world behind one of these days we're going to walk on the streets and go one of these days we're going to see the promise fulfilled I haven't seen it yet but here let me give you my anchor. Let me give you the thing that has sustained me. Let me give you the thing that has compelled me. Let me give you the thing that has pulled me through the years. And from feeble elder hands, an anchor is passed on to younger, stronger hands. And the church is sustained through the ages by the successful transmission of that promise. Grandparents, Tomorrow's church will be what it will be because of your generation. It is your job. It is our job collectively to instill in them 
that anchor of hope, the promise of a better day, the promise that God is drawing us to. This is your calling. This is your final mission. You've been faithful through the years. You've done everything that God's asked you to do to now. And now I know you've come to the place where maybe you're ready to sit down. And maybe you're ready to back up. And maybe you're not as strong as you used to be. But let me lay on you this charge from heaven. This is your calling. This is your mission. You cannot afford to fail at this task. Be a voice of hope. Be a voice of encouragement. Be a voice of blessing. When this generation remembers you, let them remember a promise that you passed on to them. When this generation remembers you, let the memory flood their hearts with hope, a, a hope that will sustain them, a hope that will compel them, a hope that will pull them forward into the promise of God. Would you stand with me? come to this pulpit with a charge for our elder generation to all of our grandparents on this grandparents day we're going to have great time this evening fellowship and, and food when, once you get a bunch of Pentecostals eating you can't help but have fun amen we're going to have a good time this evening in our milling message grandparents day potluck but I've come to tell our grandparents, you need to make it your mission to ensure that the generation that is following you succeeds. You need to make it your mission to ensure. Just come, hey, as kids, as you come in, just come right up to the front. Just come right up to the very front. Just come right on up, right on up here. Keep on coming. There's more coming behind them. Young people are coming somewhere. They're coming slowly, like young people will do. Amen. This is not the point where we say, boy, them young people, they just are so slow. This is the point where we say, I'm going to help them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to be a promise to them. I'm going to share with them what God has shared with me. I come to this pulpit with a charge. I come to charge you to pour yourself, to pour your prayers, to pour your promises, to pour the source of your hope into this generation. If you're under the age of 31, I want you to join these young people around the front right now. If you're under the age of 31, if you're under the age of 31, I want you to join these kids right up here in the front. There's a day that's going to come when these folks, grandma and granddad, there's a day that's going to come when they won't have you to look up to anymore. There's a day, it's the way of all men. It is the way of life. There will come a day when they will no longer have your voice in their ear. And I'm here to charge you to instill within them an anchor of hope that will compel them forward. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 48 and verse 15, when Jacob gathered together his 12 sons together at the end of his life, he prayed this prayer over them. He said, The God before me, whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked with, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day,
The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless these boys. And in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst uh, of the earth. What we find uh, is an elder praying uh, for the generation that's coming along behind him. Today, today is a day that we give gifts to you. Today is a day where we will give you a small token of our appreciation because you are our grandparents and we honor you for that. But I want to challenge you this morning to give a gift back. I want to challenge you this morning to make a pledge. If I could have the attention of every single grandparent, I want to challenge you to make a pledge to pray daily for the success and well-being of the church that stands before you. I know they've got bumps and warts. Don't look at me that way. I wasn't talking about you. I know they've got faults and flaws. Got to be careful where I look when I'm saying this. I know they're not perfect. But I know they love God. Each of them in their own unique way wants to serve Him. Every one of them wants to be used to change their world. And what they need is an elder saint of God who would come alongside them and encourage them and push them and transmit your faith to them. As a matter of fact, this is the way we're going to close this service. I'm asking if our grandparents would lead the way down to the front this morning. I want you to lay hands on this generation. I feel the unction, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because I know what is happening right here is scriptural. This is biblical. This is the transfer of faith. This is the transfer of promise. This is where a mantle gets lifted from your shoulders and placed on another's. This is where you become, come on, don't be shy. These kids aren't, they, they want your hands on them. Come right on, you don't mind to swat them on the bottom when they're doing wrong? Get in here and lay your hands on them. Amen. We're going to pray together in the name of Jesus Christ. When you do this, you're making a commitment. Every single day, I'm going to pray for these young people. Every single day, I'm going to pray for their blessing, for their well-being. I'm going to pray that God would multiply them. I'm going to pray that God would, I'm going to pray that God would help me to be a voice of encouragement to them, to lift them up, to carry them on the journey. That when I'm gone, they will remember my voice, my prayers that I prayed over them. That they'll look back one day and remember the thing that I said on a Wednesday night. Uh, that's stuck in their soul and that challenges them every day of their life. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ uh, that you'd reach down and lay your hands on this generation of young people uh, that is before me. As these elder saints of God pray for them, uh, as these elder saints of God charge them, uh, I'm praying, God, that you'd let something happen special in this moment, Lord, uh, in between two generations, God, uh, that you'd bring them together and that you'd bind them together in faith. Uh, I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, you let there be a transmission of promise. Uh, let there be a transmission of hope. 
hope. That there be a transmission of faith, God. That there be a bond that would develop between these two generations, God. That would compel this church into the promise that you have for us. That one of these days, we're going to get together again on the other side of glory. And we're going to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need your anointing. We need your presence. We need your power. Come on, we need this. We need the blessing that comes only from the throne of God. We need the anointing that comes only from your presence. I'm asking you, God, pour out your hope. Pour out your promise. Pour out your blessing, Lord, in Jesus' name.